3: Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Vertical Podcast with Chris Mannix. Uh, this week on the show is Bobby Marks, the front office insider with the Vertical, the former assistant GM with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, we cover a lot of ground with Bobby from the surge of San Antonio out west to the Jazz emerging as a contender to the Knicks, once again, making questionable decisions. Uh, quick housekeeping note, please hit iTunes when you can. Give us a rating. Post a comment. It's easy, and it's the best way you can support uh, this podcast moving forward. That's it. That's all I ask. All right, let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Vertical Podcast. Uh, Glad he could join us. Uh, Joining me, as he often does, is Bobby Marks, the front office insider over at the Vertical, former assistant GM uh, with the Brooklyn Nets. And, And Bobby, I guess we should start with kind of groundbreaking news. We have a new... First place team in the Western Conference. Uh, Last two years, the Warriors have basically had a stranglehold on that top seed. If the season ends today, by virtue of a tiebreaker, uh, San Antonio would be the number one seed in the Western Conference. I know there's been injuries, but how significant is this to you that the Spurs have overtaken Golden State for that that top seed?
4: Well, you know, how Memphis has played at seven, I don't think it's as significant as maybe it was a month ago, Chris. And uh, you know, it's, it's, you got to basically pick your poison here as far as where your path is going to go in. And, and I still think golden state will be the, the number one seed when, uh, the, the dust settles here at the, uh, at, at the end of, uh, or at, in the middle of, uh, of April here. But, um, you know, what San Antonio has been, been able to do and do it consistently, uh, we can throw out the game that was on Saturday, but, uh, where they are right now and. And now you're probably looking at a, uh, you know, either a, a Denver or for both teams, a Denver or, or Memphis first round series.
1: Yeah, I mean, I still would want to do what I could to avoid Memphis. I mean, I, the, the physical toll that gets extracted by the Grizzlies in a series like that, I just think it's more significant than, say, Denver or uh, maybe it's Portland, whoever winds up in that eight seed. You might beat the Grizzlies in four or five games, but having to go up against Randolph and Gasol and, and that front line and the way that team has played I just wouldn't want it. I mean, is there anything to that that, you know, trying to avoid just the physicality of that type of matchup?
4: No, there's a lot. And, you know, with a team like uh, Denver, a team uh, that hasn't been in the playoffs in, you know, four four or five years here, and you've got a lot of young players there, you know, players like, you know, Gallinari, Chandler are, are, have, pl- have played in the playoffs before, but it's a different stage for those type of players, if you're looking at uh, the Jamal Murrays or the Nikola Jokic and Emmanuel Mudiay, you know, Jameer Nelson's got battle, you know, has been been in playoff games before. So, um, and as you know, when you get into the playoffs, every game is a little bit of a, a mini series and you, you adjust and when Memphis, although they've struggled, uh, you know, I know they, they won last night against, uh, Milwaukee, you know, you've got Gasol, you've got, um, Zach Randolph, Vince Carter, who has certainly been in a lot of big games here. Parsons is is likely going to be out. Mike conley has been in a lot of big games. You you do have a first year coach in Dave Fisdale. Um, but that but that is a team that has played together before uh in the playoffs and has played well.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're they're always tough uh to knock out and and even if you do it, you wind up a little bit banged up and worse for wear because of it. Uh San Antonio, though, I mean, this is Really been just a remarkable year for them. I mean, Tim Duncan retires. I think there was an expectation that, you know, even with the addition of Pau Gasol, that they would take something of a step back. Duncan, you know, isn't what he used to be uh, or wasn't what he used to be with that team uh, last year, but he was still an inspirational leader. He was still uh, a defensive anchor uh, with that team, but, you know, they haven't skipped missed a beat at all. Is this just another kind of testament to? You know, Greg Popovich's sort of next man up strategy. I mean, it's not even Gasol; it's it's Dwayne Dedman right now, who anybody could have had at a certain point, stepping into that Duncan role and being a defensive anchor.
4: Well, that's right, and I think it's an uh, it's an indication of what the job that R.C. Buford and their group did in the in the off season. When you look at uh, Dwayne Dedman signed for the room mid level, two point eight million, you have. Um, you know, David Lee signed for the minimum. You you drafted a, a point guard in Deontay Murray, who uh, you know has had some good moments, um, and is kind of th- you know his his third backup right now. But it looks like he's got a you know he's got a, a chance there. Uh, you know, Gasol is coming off the bench right now. Um it's a solid pickup for. Uh, you know, for two years, uh, you know, Davis perton second rounder, um, you know, another another player there. Uh, their depth is certainly uh, has certainly improved, and then you you factor in, you know, a player like Kawhi Leonard who's having you know an M- an MVP like season.
1: You know, what I like Gasol with that second unit. I mean, they they started him for much of the season, but when he got hurt and came back, that's when he kind of assumed that second unit role, and I think that's best for them. I mean, they get enough offense from their starters with Aldridge when he's healthy uh, Kawhi Leonard uh, even the backcourt they get enough offense there having Gasol with that second unit going up against second tier centers and being kind of the focal point of that second unit I think it's great I mean he can always play in the fourth quarter you play the you know the best rotation you got in the fourth quarter but having him available end of the first into the second to be that offensive hub I think that helps them a lot.
4: Well and then when you have Tony Parker, you know, when he gets back, you put Patty Mills who's played well, you know, from a starting standpoint, you put him at uh, you know, with that second unit. Uh we don't know the LaMarcus Aldridge timetable, so if if Aldridge is, is able to return by the time of the playoffs, then you shift David Lee and that bench certainly becomes um uh, be- becomes a lot, lot stronger and I think that's where their their strength is is that you know, you you can almost go 10 deep with that team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean this is I mean it's it's once again a legitimate contender in the West, and and look, there they are, what they are, in large part to Kawhi Leonard, and, and I know you had you know, have Harden ahead of him in your uh, your mythical <laughs> boat there. I I tell you what, Bobby, you know, three weeks ago, I went all in on Kawhi Leonard. I mean, when this team was just still hanging there, solidly positioned as number two in the Western Conference, with all with the transition that they've had, you know, going away from Duncan and the development of Kawhi Leonard, who had thirty points again last night, coming off a head injury comes sure. back and has thirty points, he's my MVP. I mean, I, defensively we know what he does, but offensively the steps he's taken this year, uh, yeah. T- to me, he's the best. He's, I mean, the best player this year in basketball.
4: Flies under the radar every year, you know, Chris. I mean, he's only twenty five. <laughs> I mean, to gracious on a on a great contract, you know, one of those. Contract signed before this new TV money, uh, you know, kicked in, and and I'm going to stick my neck out here, Chris, and I'm going to say that Kawhi Leonard in a couple of years is going to be the first player to sign this new designated player veteran extension. It won't be Paul George this summer or Jimmy Butler or you know Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin or any of these pop, any of these players, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's going to be Kawhi Leonard in in a couple of years, and and he's a, he's a special player. He's humble uh he has you know came into the league uh you know um you know you know 5 or 6 years ago and you know the the knock on him was is that he was offensively limited that was a scouting report um you know coming out of San Diego State and that um you know w- under the right player development program could can develop into a you know a decent offensive player you know the the defense was always going to be there but yeah, you you saw him as a as a nice player that was going to start and now where where he is now I mean, he's all NBA. He's, you know, p- potential to be MVP. Uh, can, he'll be a consistent all-star in, in the future years here.
1: Yeah, and I remember, and, and you were probably scouting him at that time, but I remember uh, he was kind of a foreman at San Diego State. I mean, he was, you know, putting kind of a rebounding post-player sort of role. I don't think anybody, not anybody, I mean, I, I don't think everybody was all convinced that he would successfully kind of transition into an elite three defender. And he's done that. He did that from day one. But to me, the, the greatest testament to Kawhi Leonard is his willingness to, to be coached and evolve. I mean, I remember going down there and talking to Chip England and, you know, Chip, as soon as he got a hold of Kawhi Leonard, he said to him, like, look, we need to change your jump shot and, and we need to make it, uh, we need to kind of recraft it. And for a player, as you know, Bobby, for a player making changes on their jump shot, especially when they've had a ton of success, that doesn't always fly. I mean, these guys, they come in thinking that I'm an NBA player. I got here for a reason. I don't need to change. But Kawhi Leonard accepted that, and, and you could see the changes almost instantaneously. I mean, his first development was becoming a very good corner three-point shooter, and you know now he's evolved into an elite shooter from everywhere on the floor. So I give him a lot of credit for you know, understanding these are great coaches in San, Diego, in San Antonio. They know what they're doing. I'm going to buy into it, and, and we're going to see the results.
4: Chris it's one thing to get drafted it's another thing to 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 you know figure it out and to buy into what your coaches or your player development staff is willing to do and and to take your uh you know your your game to another level because you know you look at the kids maybe even this year who were drafted you know you know come this June there's going to be another 60 players coming in looking for jobs and and the window for your career, you you have the choice how long you you want to prolong your career. Do you want to be a guy who's just on a rookie contract and then maybe goes to Europe and floats around the D League, or do you want to do you want to have an impact here? And I think that's where you've you've seen with with Kawhi Leonard, he's been able to take on on that challenge and and to re, to basically recreate his shot. You know, is I mean, we see it in Charlotte with with Kid Gilchrist. That's been a, a work in progress yeah. forever. Uh, you know, down there, but you know, but for, for where he was picked, I mean, he was the 15th pick in the draft, Chris. I mean, there was so there was 14 teams that that bypassed him, and and I think I think that's where you go back to the draft. You know, if if you're able to do your work. Uh, not just now in the NCAA tournament. I know we'll, we'll hear the hot names, but, you know, when these kids were in high school or at the McDonald's game or at the Nike Hoop Summit and and to, be, to follow the, the, these players for the last, you know, three or four years, you'll be able to find a player, um, you know, as long as you kind of, you know, you know, cross the T's here.
1: Yeah, yeah, no question. And San Antonio, they've got themselves their next franchise player for the next ten years, and and who would bet against them that they won't find the next guy, you know, in the draft in the coming years as well? It's just what they do uh, down there. All right, let's uh, let's move on from the Spurs here a little bit, and I want to look at, at a team you mentioned uh, or a player you mentioned, Jimmy Butler in Chicago. The Bulls right now are, are not just losing Bobby, but they're getting their ass kicked on on a regular basis. Just that <laughs> that nationally televised pasting they took in Boston. Uh, on Sunday, I mean, Fred Hoiberg has a mandate from uh, on high to to extend his rotation, play younger players, see what the Bulls have here. They're trying to figure out if they have anything in Cameron Payne, and the end result has been, you know, unhappiness, dissension uh, in that locker room. Uh, you know, what's the fallout here, Bobby? I mean, let's assume, and I think we could safely do this now: the Bulls don't make the playoffs. Uh, what's the, the the fallout here? I mean, you know, Gar Forman, John Paxson, they seem to be safe. We know Bulls management is not keen on paying uh, coaches uh, to go away. They didn't like doing it with Thibodeau. And Fred Hoiberg has three years left on his contract. Does this ball boil down to a major a roster overhaul this summer for Chicago?
4: Well, I would think it would have to be. And, you know, you know my feelings if if Fred Hoiberg were to go. I mean, I think you've got to basically, you know, uh, reconstruct that that front office there as far as who your decision maker maker is. Because now we've got, you know, you're looking for a third third coach in the last, you know, seven years here. And Chris, I don't understand, you know, we're in mid, mid March right now and we're still trying to figure out what this team is. Like, you get your head handed to you um, uh, Sunday night against a uh, Sunday afternoon against Boston. You, you, pl- you don't play in, in Nicola Miritich, you DMP him. Then t- last night in Charlotte, you play him. He's got 20, you know, 24, 25 points. You you play, you know, Rondo 36 minutes, <laughs> I mean, Jimmy Butler 38 last night, you played the win. the night before you didn't. I, I don't, I don't know what your goal is. Is your goal to make the playoffs is your goal to experiment with, with some of the young kids, which, which. If I if it was me, that's the direction I I would want to go in to to, to figure out what what do I have with with uh, Cameron Payne. I mean, you gave up McDermott and Taj Gibson in the second round pick for those guys, uh, or at least send the kids to the D League and have him play for your your team in you know the the Windy City Bulls there. And, and yeah. ha- instead of having him play eleven minutes last night and, and shoot zero for six, I mean, you've got to build the kid's confidence up. So I don't I don't know what this team is, you know. But it's it's funny though. But you know, if they made the playoffs. Could they be dangerous as a seven seed? I eight no. seed. I mean, he still got no. Wade, and, and and I mean, it's like almost like fool's gold. It's like fool's gold here with this with this group here. And and my question will be, will, will, what Dwayne Wade will be will do? You know, he's got that big option, and I mean, and he won't make that up on the, on the market. I don't think so. Twenty one million dollars, but does, would he want to stay and, and and go through a rebuild, or is it even a, is it even a rebuild? I mean, or is it a a quick fix, retool like we saw last summer?
1: Well. I mean, first, I, I, if I'm like Cleveland, Boston, Washington, I would want to see Chicago because they can't shoot. And if you can't shoot, you're not going to – I don't care how great your, your aging stars are or Jimmy Butler is, you're not going to succeed. I mean, I, I just – I'm not a believer in the whole Bulls, lightning in a bottle thing, and, and it'll all kind of come together. They they don't have consistent shooting. Miritich has not been consistent. They traded away Doug McDermott. I, I don't think they're dangerous at all if they get into the playoffs. As far as long term though, I mean, to me, you know, you're right about Wade. He's he's kind of got a big decision to make uh, as far as his financial future goes. But Rondo's going to be gone. Now you have to kind of make a call here on Jimmy Butler because every year that passes, really every month that passes, he becomes less valuable. Uh, You're going to get less for him on the trade market. His value was probably at its peak in February when you know he's got two and a half years, uh, full years remaining on that contract, and the value will still be pretty high this summer. But I wonder, Bobby are they going to regret not taking whatever the last offer was from the Celtics on Butler? Because, you know, now if Boston gets that number one pick now, Boston, a position where they know Chicago's got to do something. And if I'm the Celtics, I'm not only saying we'll trade you number one, which is going to be Fultz, which everyone seems to believe is a, is a lockdown kind of franchise type player. Uh, I'm going to ask for Chicago's pick too. If they're in the lottery, I want Chicago's draft pick. I want Jimmy Butler and that pick because you know, the value of Fultz, at least if, if, if everything I'm, I'm told is to be believed, is really high. So I think Chicago may, may live to regret not taking whatever that last offer was from Boston.
4: What I've learned is that the value of draft picks start to gain in, in momentum here. <clears throat> now we've got the NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, Fultz isn't playing. They they lost in the in the in the Pac-12 there. But you'll have draft workouts. You'll have pre-draft camp. You'll have a number next to that draft pick. So instead of that, you know, the Brooklyn pick now it's going to be the number one overall pick or the number two overall pick. Um, so that there's some there's some movement there. And you know, I the one thing that if I was a Bulls fan, I would be concerned about is that a year from now we're talking about the same situation here. And you've still, you've got Jimmy Butler, and this is a team that's fighting to get into aid and you've got issues with with your roster um you know ba- you know rondo won't be here but based on what direction you're, you're going to go in and the, the benefit with with Butler though is unlike George though as I as I've said is that the contract goes out a little bit longer. So um it won't be an expiring contract if if that's what you're looking to to do and I think you've got to decide is it a full-fledged rebuild, tear it down, let's build through the draft with our um with with some of our kids? But my concern though is, is that you haven't drafted great. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you look at Bobby Portis Jr., you look at uh Denzel Valentine who played, you know, uh, uh you know, pretty decent um um, you know, last night, um, you look at, uh, you made the Jerry and Grant trade, you got, um, you know, uh, you know, Robin Lopez in the trade, uh, Laverne is a free agent. So, yeah, you, you know, Zipser has played pretty decently there. So you haven't, you know, it wasn't like you've hit, hit on any of these, uh, the draft picks. The one guy you actually did draft, you traded was McDermott here. So how confident are you that this management group can rebuild if it's going to go through the draft?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um I, I just think something's gotta give because you're right. It the, the longer you keep Butler, um, you're you're more likely next year to kind of be stuck in that same status quo unless you're able to go out and get a major free agent. And I don't see that guy kind of either A available and B wanting to go uh to sign up and play for Chicago right now. And at some point, Bobby, you've got Fred Hoiberg here and you know how Fred Hoiberg likes to coach don't you have to go out and start to recruit players and and the the type of players that can play that style? I mean, Fred wants to play up and down. Over the last two years, seemingly all they've surrounded him with are guys that are better suited to play in the half court. I mean, at some
4: point, if you are going to commit to Hoiberg being your coach, don't you have to go out and, and build a team around his strengths as a coach? And you missed the opportunity this past summer, Chris. When he got the job two years ago, you basically he inherited that roster. When you look at Derek Rose and Noah, and uh, you know it was it was basically a holdover from what what Tom Thibodeau had the previous year. And here was your golden opportunity to basically wipe it clean, put players around that fit his style, and you didn't you didn't do it. You went out and got Rondo, you got Wade, um, you know you did the the Lopez trade, which I, I was a, a fan of, and I still think you know Robin that that salaries is, is is good value here, but that's the direction you you went where you were afraid to, to tear it down and, and, and put the pieces around the coach. So, Obviously the coach was not a priority this summer when you put the roster together, it was more about trying to get into the seven or eight seat. Come on, we're fooling ourselves. We thought this team was a, was a championship level team. Um, you know, this the, the, summer, you know, that's the, that's the, the the stigma when, when front offices fall in love with on the back of your, you know, of your Jersey. And as far as how many all-star appearances you had, I mean, you, sometimes when you live in the past, you get burned, you know, by the, by the future here. And that's what happened in Chicago.
1: Yeah, I think they wanted to get into the playoffs and you know, use that as kind of a springboard to show free agents that they were a place to go. I think they were expecting harmony on that roster. They're expecting Rondo to play better. None of that has worked out. Now they're in a really difficult position uh, in Chicago. All right, I want to move on to uh, a game that you tweeted about last night as being interested in watching, and, and I was watching as well. That was the Jazz and the Clippers. And the Jazz pick up... You know, one of the biggest wins in recent franchise memory, they're at home, they're playing the Clippers, I think they lost nine straight games at home uh, to the Clippers, but the Clippers right now, they're they're battling for that four slot in the uh, Western Conference. The Jazz go out and they get a win, and Gordon Hayward plays one of his best games of the season. They get a bunch of guys in double figures. You watched that game, Bobby, Was what kind of statement did the Jazz make in, um, in that matchup?
4: You know, it was interesting, Chris, In it the statement that was made, and I got concerned when I'm watching the game down the stretch and I'm thinking, do they have the players to close out, you know, because it was, it was a playoff level game. Do you have the players to close out a game, you know, with, you know, with the lineup you had out there and and you had, uh, you know, Rodney Hood had a big shot, Joe Johnson hit a big shot. And I, I was intrigued by the lineup that Utah had out there. You had uh, Johnson at the four and, you know, and Gobert at, at the five you know, you're kind of not that non-traditional lineup with with Joe there. But um, there is a lot of, and I, I guess it's every team that the Clippers play. <laughs> There's a lot of, we it, it got a little bit chippy there um, with, with uh, Gobert. He looks like he's like a lightning rod. Um, but I think that was a big statement win as far as um, for that Utah team to kind of hold on to that four seed to get home court. I think home court will be huge. Um, if if they get it, because going on the road to Los Angeles, I I I would be concerned as far as as them winning that series, but but I could see that that Utah team if if they do hold on the four, you know, beating this Clipper team in you know six games, maybe.
1: Yeah, really a confidence building win for a Jazz team that that I think has been brought along really well over the years. I mean they they started this rebuild a few years back, Dennis Lindsey. You know, started to, you know, draft guys and, and sign guys and, and trade for guys. And it's been slow. I mean, last year they, they just missed out on the playoff spot, but they used that kind of as a springboard to where they are right now in, in sort of a textbook move to the middle of the Western Conference standings. And I think they're, they're more than just a threat to win that first round series. I think if they have home court, they will win, uh, that first round series. My question for you though, Bobby, is that as you look at the talent on that Jazz roster, even if you think Gordon Hayward is, is, You know, kind of an A minus level player. Do they have enough talent to, for this group to develop into a true championship contender? Not, look, nobody's on Golden State's level right now. But you know, in the coming years, as they keep this team together and they all start to kind of grow into their mid to late twenties, do they have do they have enough talent there to develop as is, or do they need to add something else?
4: Well, they do, and but the question will be when you talk about financials, if the financials come into it um, down the road here, how this team is 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 going to be constructed, and as far as, and that's going to be an ownership decision as far as how much are you willing to pay to, to retain this this group here, and um you know with Hayward's free agency and, and George Hill's free agency and the Hood extension, um you know Joe Ingles is a is a restricted free agent this, this summer here, but. I mean, I, I'm I'm intrigued by this group here because I think they do have the staying power if they, if this team is is retained, um, you know. To, to do some things here, you know, it's a great experience. And I thought last year kind of hurt him a little bit, not getting into the playoffs, missing out towards the, the end of the year. And, and now you're, you're not seeing them, you know, falter down, down a stretch here because now you've got the George Hill factor and he's got to stay healthy, Chris. I mean, if he, if he misses games, you know, in, in the playoffs or if that toe injury kind of comes back, that's really gonna, gonna hurt them. But you know, with with Hayward, what you've seen lately, you know, down the stretches, and he, and it will be interesting with him. You know, Chris, he's got uh, he's got a player option if he earns All NBA this year, which he certainly has a chance, I would think. He can be eligible for the designated player veteran extension if he opts into his contract. And uh, I mean, you could, Utah doesn't have to give him that thirty five percent, but he would be eligible. So that will be interesting as far as what he does 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 with that, but. Um, you know, what Dennis has been able to do, um, it's not a short-term fix. He's built through the draft. He's added some key free agents. When you look at Ingles, when you look at, uh, Joe Johnson, you did the DL trade, uh, the Gobert extension. I mean, this team is certainly well positioned, uh, in, in the future, a lot different than what that team that they could play in the playoffs, that Clipper team is. And I think that's a kind of a, a ticking time bomb right now.
1: What do you anticipate a guy like Hayward doing this summer? Do you think he opts out? And and just tries to get as much money as he can right now, or does he take that risk and opt in looking for that designated player exten- uh, extension?
4: Well, you know, all NBA honors will probably come out in um, in mid-May here, and his opt-out isn't until the end of June, so he'll have he'll have some time to figure out. So if even if you know Chris, even if he earned All NBA, I would, I mean, I would still opt out and get some longevity and some some you know some financial security, then play on a one year you know, $18 million contract and, and God forbid, risk, risk some injury here with a, a knee or something like that. So I could, I can certainly see him, uh, you know, his agent, Mark Bartlestein is, is more of the, you know, the conservative he'll work with the team as far as to get the right deal here. Um, so, you know, opting out is, is the best thing to do. And then looking for, you know, a four year, you know, 110, $120 million Contract here does Utah go the full length for a full max? That will be an interesting question. Knowing that you've got to pay, um, you know George Hill, and then you, you eventually got to pay, um, you know the two other free agents as far as you know with Ingalls and and then you know Hood the following year.
1: Yeah, you'd, you'd hate to see finances break up a team like that. Um, it's not exactly what Oklahoma City was with with Harden and the decision they made, but you know there's certainly a team on the rise, and you'd hate to see, especially. Bobby, nowadays where, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like the small market financial problems exist as much as they used to with the TV revenue coming in and the revenue sharing and and all the money that that is kind of split up. It just seems like the problems that Oklahoma City ran into financially, not wanting to go into the tax uh, with James Harden, that those don't exist as much anymore, do
4: they? No, they they shouldn't, especially with the influx of TV money that's coming in. And you look at this jazz team; they're they're the last, they're thirtieth in the NBA in payroll. So eventually, it balances out. So what you basically have saved this year might cost you next year or the the year after. So I think if if you do the right, you know, if you balance your books the right way, certainly from a, from a cap perspective, and and you have the flexibility to do so, I think you know if you look at the roster, does Derek Favors kind of be the odd man out, maybe? Um, with with that contract, he'll be going into his, his last year, and he's been you know dinged up a little bit. Um, can you tr- you know slide Trey Lyles in there at, at the four? Um, that might be something where maybe if you're if you're looking from a cost perspective, that might be able to al- alleviate a little bit there.
1: All right, so the 2017 version of the 2016 Jazz to me is is Minnesota, and and what's happening with the Wolves right now? <laughs> I mean, you know, this is kind of what we had anticipated Bobby maybe we thought it was going to happen a little bit sooner but I think we all kind of anticipated some kind of surge from this team they're too talented and they're too well coached to play the way they did for most of the first half of the season but man not only they're racking up wins but they're knocking three of the last four wins Washington Golden State and the Clippers before that they beat Utah they they beat Denver uh they beat Chicago and they beat Toronto um I mean this is they're not just winning games Bobby they're beating the best of the best right now in their conference and beyond.
4: You know it's funny Chris I always say that and I, kind of, I think we maybe got a little bit fooled with Minnesota last year because they they won some games in April with that young group and um you know they were you know at that point they were you know so far to the playoffs and they won 20 plus games and that let's see what happens when this team plays some mini, meaningful games and do I do I think they'll get into the playoffs I, I don't think so just because they're, you know, I think they're three back in the lost column, but but these are meaningful games right now. You look at last night in, um, you know, that that Washington game against a hot Wizard team who had you know, basically run the table at West, and and to to be able to win that game, you've played really good basketball here, and and let's see if this can springboard the last five weeks of the season into next year, where uh, Rubio has played really well. I mean, he was unbelievable last night, Chris. I mean, he had 20, I think twenty three and nineteen. Carl Anthony Towns is has been dominant. You've, you've gotten some, some help off, off your bench here. And, and that group there is is there to stay. I mean, if you can get Zach Levine back from from his injury, and you've got cap space, so is that an appealing team for some of these free agents this summer? Because there's not going to be that mon- much money out there, Chris, from a from a, a cap perspective. I think this is your window, if you're Minnesota management, to kind of to, to jump all over that because eventually you've got the Wiggins and Levine extension coming up. So so here is here's the time to kind of bolster that this roster. But from where they were back in, I think late November or early when you kind of questioned their work ethic and, you know, maybe how hard are they competed to where, you know, they are in, in mid March. I mean, it's been, um, you know, they had to go through some growing pains here, but um, it's been a huge step. I can't believe they almost traded Ricky Rubio. Like I, <laughs> I can I can't believe they were even, th-
1: I mean, however, that deal was scuttled, you know, Minnesota, Tibbs, Scott Layden, they should be thanking their stars because that would have been so <laughs> stupid. I mean, Rubio is is a flawed player. He still can't shoot, which is beyond me why players with his kind of skill set haven't figured that out and, and developed that skill set at some point along the way. But I mean, he he is so much better for that team than Derrick Rose would be. I mean, Derrick Rose a better individual scorer, but Ricky Rubio is you know does what he's been doing for the last few weeks, which is get guys involved, you know, be a playmaker. They've got enough guys that can score, Bobby. They need a passer, and
4: that's what Ricky Rubio is. Chris, you don't give up 20 a 26-year-old point guard who's got uh you know two more years left on his contract that good money because because you're going to see what this summer what's going to happen to Derrick Rose and he's going to have a hard time finding a home. I mean, he can go to a team that it's, it's a rebuild and, and um, you know, maybe make some money there, but to go to a playoff team, I think he's really going to have a hard time. And and if, if uh, you know, and that would have been a home run for New York because they're going to be looking for a point guard this summer, but how Rubio has played, you know, certainly since the, the all-star break has, you know, I mean, he's still shooting at 40%, but you know, it's funny. That's his career high. <laughs> I mean this year, you know, before that it was it was it was, you know, 38-1 and he's almost right at it, you know, a double-double average and you know almost had 10 points and nine assists per night.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Rose cuz that was where I was going to go next with uh, your New York Knicks and uh where where they are right now. I mean I, I My thought the was, Knicks was in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. I, I I thought it was I mean, first of all, they're bottoming out right now. They're they're terrible. They lost the Nets uh, what 15 games now under 500 uh, again, another non-winning season uh, for for this team, uh, guaranteed. And, and you got Kristaps Porzingis, the future of the franchise, that is, you know, not only expressing confusion, but it's almost like he's in this delirious state where he's quoting like FDR out there, <laughs> saying like, you know, choppy seas make good sailors, or whatever it is that FDR quote looks like. First of all, excellent of a Latvian player to be able to quote FDR. I mean, that's that caught me off guard. But you know, this team continues to. To, to baffle Bobby they they're once again recommitted to the triangle and with the way they're finishing this season would it surprise you at all if Phil Jackson decides to make Jeb Hornacek the fall guy again or make a coach the fall guy again here
4: it wouldn't um but you know that's there goes back to my philosophy then if the coach goes then you should go which probably won't happen when you're making you know 12 million dollars a year and yeah know, but think about how much money
1: they're having to pay the coach and Derek Fisher I mean we're starting no, to add no. up here, Bobby, with the money they're paying out.
4: No, you're right. And eventually, I know you know James Dolan gave that interview, but when do you raise your hand here? You know, it's almost like you're letting the inmates run the asylum here. It's like you're, you know, I always say like you know you give your keys, you know, you give your let your kids stay home for the weekend. You come home and there's no windows and the roof has been like blown off the you know there you know they've had a party and you you ruined the place and and where this Nick team is now compared to where it was three years ago, it's I mean it's in terrible shape the only the only saving benefit is that they have their lottery pick and hopefully you can get a draft pick because if you don't, then you're going to have to figure out what your, your, um, your point guard position is. But I think when you look back at that loss on Sunday night to New York, it wasn't like they played all their young kids. You know, I mean, you played Anthony 36 minutes, Lee 38 minutes, Porzingis 33, Rose 37. So it wasn't like you intentionally try, tried to the tank there. You basically just got beat by a Nets team who had been on a road for three three weeks there. So... I, you know, I don't know where this Nick team is going. I mean, the parts are back except for Rose. You've got to figure out, you know, if, if he's part of your, your future, which I I would think he he isn't or he should he shouldn't be. But then, who do you go out and, and get in, in free agency from a point guard perspective? Because the majority of those guys are going to retain and stay home.
1: Yeah, and here's one of the quotes from Porzingis after the Nets' loss: it says, "There's a lot of confusion. A lot of times, it's basically one on one. Whoever, me, myself, Carmelo." Courtney Lee, we try to make something happen, and that's not how uh, it's supposed to be. That, I mean, you know, look, you're, you're right. Like, they keep losing. They get their draft pick. They get a high lottery pick. Maybe they get lucky. Maybe they get one of the top two picks. And maybe they're able to draft a Fultz or Alonzo Ball or even a little bit further down Dennis Smith from NC State, who looks like he can be a pretty good player, too. What terrifies me, Bobby, is that they take one of these dynamic point guards and shove him into the triangle. Because, you know, can you imagine Lonzo Ball in the triangle? Like, what a waste of talent to have him being a triangle point guard. You want to make him an up-tempo point guard. You want to make him. You know, he's kind of a a Jason Kidd type of player. I mean, that's a lofty comparison, but he has that sort of, you know, that sort of skill set. You know, my biggest fear with the Knicks is that they don't learn from their mistakes and they continue the triangle into next season, and they put one of these great young point guards into a system that restricts them from being the players they could be.
4: Well, and that's that's when we get to the draft workouts based on where this Nick pick, let's say hypothetically they get a, the number two pick in the draft, and I think that's where your agent comes into play where you've got to have some dialogue with the front office as far as what your system is going to be, and I would, I would certainly have some some concern there if, if that's where it's going to be. And I think if you bring that player in for the workout, you know, do you, do you, you know, do you try to put some triangle principles in while, while you're you know going through that workout? Likely it'll be, it will be one on one on Oh. So I don't think you'll get much, much out of it, but it is New York. And I'm sure with these kids, it's not like you're going to a city where you don't want to go to it's you still have the big lights and you have them from a marketing perspective. It's, it's still um, still there. But Chris, I think you look back on, on Porzingis I mean, he's going to be going into year three and there's never a guarantee that these players will stay here. You know, I, I know that you're protected by restricted free agency, but I, I you know, if this thing spirals out of control, for, you know, into next year, you know, if, if I'm Andy Miller and I'm Christoph Porzingis, who, who's Christophe Porzingis agent, I would say, I don't know if I want to be there. And I would hang, I would put over his head, you know, hey, maybe I'll just sign the, uh, you know, the qualifying offer. And, you know, we, we go from there. And, and that's where my, that that's where my concern was and we we've talked about how Jokic has you know, developed out in Denver and they put the right pieces around him and and I I'm not uh, I'm not convinced that New York is able to do that.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised if if those conversations had not already taken place uh amongst Christos Porzingis and, and his people. I mean, I think Porzingis has the mindset to be a great player in New York City and and I think there's a big part of him that wants to be there but you know 2 years in he's looking at at a total train wreck and how do you see the light at the end of the tunnel like they keep changing up the offense they keep changing up uh the personnel around him they keep trying to put like these band-aids on bullet holes here you know if they go out this summer and do you know a lot of the same stuff just try to sign veterans that'll get them into the playoffs you know what hope can there be i mean i guess the the only hope and in, in the next best chance of of appeasing Porzingis long term is to get that young point guard all of a sudden, you've got a 21-year-old point guard, a 20, 21-year-old uh, you know, power forward slash center in Porzingis. And, and at least then you have the framework. But I don't know who's going to be coaching this team in a year, Bobby. And, and if Phil Jackson, honestly, this gets said a lot, but if Phil Jackson is going to continue to, to push the triangle, he's got to coach it. He's got to come down and coach it because you can't make Jeff Hornacek, who has never run the triangle in his life and has no interest in being a triangle coach, you can't have him teaching a system that that he doesn't want to, and doesn't know how to teach.
4: You know, and instead of teaching a triangle, Chris, he should be out scouting players. <laughs> I mean, in all honesty, go out and, yeah. and, and with your personnel people and, and go watch, you know, some of these college kids that you might be picking with the seventh pick in the draft and, and instead of, you know, with, with this with this group here. Because who knows, you know, you're trying to do it. And, and is Derek Rose going to be part of your future? I mean, he's a free agent. Is Ron Baker, who's a restricted free agent, part of... Uh, of your of your future here, you you tried to trade Carmelo Anthony and you couldn't, you know, and now you, you know, you know where is this where is this team, you know, you know what's the d- direction here? And you're right, I mean, they'll have cap space like they've had the last, you know, uh, couple years here, but I mean, you know, as cap space is fool's gold, I mean, you can only you know you can only do so much with it, and as far as finding finding the right players to to do so,
1: yeah, there there's going to come a day that the Knicks are good. I just hope that I'm you know, alive to actually see it at that point, because, I mean, it's been, it's been such a remarkably bad 15 kind of plus year run really since the turn of the century. And that coincides with James Dolan taking over, uh, as, as the owner. And you know, look at when I, you know, when you look at across sports at the teams that are in bad situations, uh, the Washington Redskins right now in football, bad ownership, um, you know, Sacramento, who we've been talking about ad nauseum over the years. This is great that we don't have to talk about Sacramento anymore. Um, they're not a talking point right now with cousins <laughs> out of the mix, but you know, bad ownership situation. And the Knicks, bad ownership. I mean, you've, you know, you, you've had, when you were in Brooklyn, that was a, a, a quirky kind of ownership group, but I don't know if I would have described them as a bad uh, ownership group. But I mean, this just, I think, speaks to the importance of having steady, stable ownership leading the way. I mean, you know, Peter Holt is, regarded as the best owner kind of in the NBA, and, and there probably aren't 10 people listening to this podcast right now that could pick Peter Holt out of a the lineup. They see him every June or every other June or whatever it is when he collects a championship trophy. And, and owners owners that act like that are the ones that have success. Owners that act like like Dolan and, and Dan Snyder in Washington and Vivek Ranadive in Sacramento,
4: they just don't. Mickey Harrison. I mean, if you're going to follow yeah, another a, one. A, a, you know, a, a blueprint of how to do it, that's, that's the guy to follow, you know, kind of lets his team do what they want. Um, you know, he signed as a check, but he's got a front office in place with Pat Riley and Andy Ellisberg and Adam Simon and that group. Uh, I mean, I mean, we don't even have to talk about the coaching staff there because that's like the magician there, I mean, what he's been able to do with that group. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's, that's where you're, you know, if you're going to, uh, you know, follow a kind of a, a blueprint. That's the, you know, that's the direction that you want to follow. And I always say, Chris, Hey, I, I get it. You know, you don't get a handbook when you, when you take over one of these jobs and you basically kind of, you know, it's trial by error and you kind of learn on the fly here and stuff like that. But now we're in, you know, three years you know, past and it's still the same issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's unreal how that keeps going. But We'll see. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks and months as as the Knicks uh, season ends in the lottery, which is going to be a big day for them uh, moving forward. Uh, Bobby, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for taking some time to uh, join me here on the podcast. Thanks, Chris. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Bobby Marks for joining the show. A reminder, you can listen to Archive Podcast at iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. If you have some time, post a comment, leave us a rating. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. Whoa. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.
0: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.
2: Playing dirty sports scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith